So let's pray and we'll begin today, all right? Father, we thank you so very much for your grace and mercy. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us to see the light of another day. Now we ask in the name of Jesus that you would bless our seminary on Sundays. Bless these students, Father God, as we begin something awesome, as we begin this journey together, Lord Father God. Would you bless us now? Would you guide us now, Father God? And would you allow us in the name of Jesus to learn more about you? In Jesus' name, amen and thank God. All right. So uh, you have a handout, and I want to look at the introduction I want somebody to read the introduction for me. Something I want to share with you about God's financial plan for worldwide evangelization. That's going to be on your final, okay? So you might as well highlight that. Oh, yeah, you're going to get an exam. All right. All right, so there was a great, I mean, I don't know if you remember, but if you look at history, so one of the things that you want to do is if you want to look at how God operates, you got to look at history. Uh, all through the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, if you go to the Old Testament, what, you, what do you see in the Old Testament? You see the history of God's people, right? You go to the book of Acts, you see the history of the church. And so... History tells a story, right? So what, what they call this, what they call it the layman's prayer revival. So in other words, there were lay people, business people who were gathering around the country because life, things were looking a little tough at this time. So what they decided to do was to get together, right? And they got together to start praying together. Kind of like what we did on Friday night, kind of like what we do on the prayer line. They saw that their communities were falling apart, their lives were falling apart, things were falling apart in their lives. So what they decided to do, they decided to start a prayer revival. They started praying all over and revival broke out. Go ahead. See, I believe, that's it. People were swept in, listen, because of this revival, listen, and the revival that they're talking about was not just revival like, you know, you come together and you have a preacher at nighttime and, you know, it wasn't that kind of revival. The revival was they simply came and got on their knees and they prayed and they fasted and they sought the Lord, amen, kind of like what we need to do, saints, you know, here's the thing. In God's purpose and in God's plan for your life, amen, we have yet to see a revival in this century. I'm talking about where, you know what, when I say revival, you know what I mean? What do you think I mean when I say revival? Okay, all right, that's good. Renewal of our spiritual thinking and the word, okay. Okay, but let me tell you what revival really is. Revival, yes, it, for, the, for the believer, it's repentance. For the unbeliever, 
Revival is really for the unbeliever to bring them into salvation. Revival for us is sanctification. Revival for them is salvation. Is that powerful? And so as a result of that, when I say revival, I'm talking about a spiritual awakening where people are now aware, they're they're like, man, okay, God is real, you know, and they're coming and they're falling upon their faces before God and they're accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And what happened was thousands from this one, from these people just coming together, what they used to do, it it actually happened in New York with a lot of business people. At lunchtime, they would come together in a building that that they would meet at, and guess what? It started with one guy. And he started praying, and then some other people started coming at their lunchtime. And then they started praying, and they started praying. And and before you know it, revival broke out, and people all over the country started to get saved. May I say something to you? This is not Old Testament. This is not New Testament time. We're talking about 1858. Amen. A couple centuries uh, before now. All right? And look what it says. It says here, the spiritual... Breakthrough took place where in February the results was what? Thousands came into Christ. And over the next few months, hundreds of what? Yes. See, hundreds of new churches were started and others grew to unprecedented what? Size. Social changes took place all over the nation. It was a golden period spiritually for America, a period that would affect the nation for years. And you know what's happening right now, saints? We need a revival. We need another awakening. We need something bigger than just the presidential candidates arguing with each other on television and people saying, I'm Democrat and I'm Republican. Listen, you're Christian now. Amen. But we need a spiritual awakening in this country. And so as a result of this spiritual awakening, guess what happened? Churches were born. May I say this to you today? This church, as I was saying to Deacon Hurd on the other night, this church is not an organization. It's an organism. And you learn that in I Am a Church Member. It's an organism. It's living. It's breathing. Amen. It's a living, breathing entity. So what is, what is God's plan? So bullet point number one. However, to understand fully what happened in 1858, we must go back to the California what? Gold rush in 1849. During the decade following 1849, millions of dollars were poured into the American economy a total of $2 billion worth of precious metals were extracted from the area during the gold rush. So if you're not familiar with history, the gold rush came about in California. You know what happened? Read the next bullet point for me. What, what happens? All right, so watch this. When God starts blessing, so prior to this awakening, right? What was the problem? Prosperity. (laughs) Are y'all with me this morning? 
Amen. So you're, you're learning some history. See, this is, what, this is how seminary works. We learn history. We learn background information so that we can understand exactly what's going on. So here's the thing. So with the gold rush, okay, covetedness started to happen. People started hoarding and coveting and they, they got so caught up in the prosperity of the gold rush that they forgot all about what? God. And may I say this to you this morning? Prosperity has a way of causing us to get blinded to spiritual things. We all want to be successful, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we have to make sure that in our success, that it does not blind us spiritually. Read on. Covetedness. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because everybody was running out to California for the gold rush. But you know one thing I read in an article about the gold rush? You know what they did not intend it on? That the gold was going to run out. <laughs> With millions of people, watch this, leaving their families and leaving things behind to even, even they, I, I read an article where even, even uh, African Americans showed up. They only, they only represented 2%, but they showed up. Amen. And, and what little they got, it ran out. See, what I'm trying to say to you, see, and we talk about does the church, the church just wants your money, but I'm talking about something bigger here. I'm talking about how does God finance his program? How does God finance his church. Does anybody know? Through our tithes. Through our what? Offerings, right? And so how does God do that? He blesses you with an ability. Right? And that you, a skill. Not a spiritual gift. I'm talking about a skill. Something that you do with your hands. Something that has been, listen, if you lose your skill today, you stop earning. Amen. But anybody can wash dishes. <laughs> anybody can, you know, sit at a drive-thru and take orders. Amen. Anybody with a good mind can do that, but some people don't even have a good mind to do that. So, so here's what's happening. The people are getting rich and people are leaving. Listen, this, that's the part that really got me. Pastors were leaving their pulpits. Listen, when prosperity comes, it's a test. Right? Now watch this. Watch this. Watch what it says. So what was the remedy for this? Bullet num point number three. Stop right there. 
So what the preachers were doing back then, they're like, well, what they started to do back then, right? They started to teach stewardship. They would, they, listen, whenever there's an issue, just like I just got finished teaching at the seminary uh, on economics and, and how to vote as a Christian. Why, why did I teach that last uh, summer semester? There you go. So that you can learn and understand what? What to do. And so it's the same thing. Whenever you see a problem, the church has to come with an answer. Are you with me? So back then, the pastors got together and said, you know what? We got a problem. The, listen, it's the pastor's concern, saints. You may not have the concern, but the concern falls upon me, upon the leader of your church. Your leader, the leader of your church should be concerned about social issues as well as spiritual issues. Gays, homosexuals, homosexuals uh, same gender bathrooms and you know, all of the issues that we're dealing with right now, right? I would say that we live in a very prosperous state. Amen. I mean, listen, we may not have everything that we desire, but guess what? We still got a roof over our heads. God is still blessing us. And the truth be told, you may have to go into your reserve, but you still can survive. Come on, somebody. Thank God you have a reserve. So, the, the, so what they started to do then, they started to teach about stewardship. Now, first the question I have for you today is, what is a steward? See, this is, why I'm, this is why the Lord directed me to teach this. Because I was going to teach something totally different. <laughs> I don't teach on cults. Lord told me, no, I want you to teach this. A steward is a manager, right? Oh, no, no. Over someone else's goods. Yes. Not their own. A steward is one who manages somebody else's stuff. So when the Bible says the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, and they that dwell in it, what do you think that means? Okay, go to Genesis for me. We're going to get in the Bible. You knew we were going to get in the Bible eventually I just wanted to. Genesis chapter 15. I'm sorry. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. I can prove that all of the gold and the onyx and all the beautiful stones and everything, God created it. As a matter of fact, the first place that he put it was in the Garden of Eden. 
That's in my economics class. But in this class, read 15 for me, verse 15. And he told them to do what? And to keep it. To do what? Right. Now, then the Lord God took man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. So in other words, God, Adam didn't create the garden. God created Adam so that he would steward the garden. Everything that you have from your car to your shoes, everything you have, you are a steward over it. You are a steward, a manager. You don't own it. I can prove it to you. Prince died not too long ago. He did not leave a will so now everything has to go into an estate with the government is controlling it. And guess what? He couldn't take any of it with him. He's in the same dirt that where we will end up one day. All he had was a stewardship. Saints, I want to tell you something. A steward is one who manages the things that God has allowed him to have. He doesn't own anything because he brought nothing into the world so he can take nothing with him. Job understood that he was a steward because when he lost everything, he didn't get an attitude. It's different with us. When we lose our jobs, when we lose our money, when we lose our investments and bad investments, we get all upset. But the bottom line was, it wasn't yours in the first place. And the question is, have you been a faithful steward over what God has given you? You, don't, you can't get upset when you lose your job. Wasn't yours in the first place. God gave you and entrusted you with that position. And when he decided to take it back, hello somebody, I'm talking to somebody today, amen, that was his provocative. And so now you say, God, now where do you want me to go now? Where do you want me to go and be a steward now? Watch this, watch this. Oh, man. Then the Lord God commanded man, saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely. Now watch this. As a steward, you and I are given the opportunity to share in what God has created. We don't own anything. Amen. But God says, I will give you free reign on how to operate. So guess what? You can eat from every tree of the garden. Verse 17, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for on the day that you eat from it you will surely die. 
Then the Lord God said to man, said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a what? A helper suitable for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every uh, bird of the sky and brought them to man to see what he would call them. See that? And whatever the man called the living creature, that was his name. Now watch this. He was not owner over it. He was given the responsibility to name it. That was his job as a steward. I don't think you're hearing me. You and I are given a responsibility to name it, not own it. You don't own that car. It doesn't belong to you. Your bank account doesn't belong to you. Your clothes doesn't belong to you. I can prove it to you. Something happens. You may not give it to the church, but somebody else is going to get it. And when it's all gone, that's when people want to run back to God. When they have messed up their stewardship. We'll talk a little bit more about stewardship later, but watch this. Roman numeral three says, given to the Lord's work, furnished an antidote to covetousness and sparked what? A substantial increase in what kind of giving? Right. So the antidote to their success of not, be, see, here's the thing. When God blesses you, it's, it's, it's our sin nature to become covetous. So the antidote, what the preachers were preaching back then is give to missions. Give to your church. Give to this. Let's open up a church over here. Let's, let's help a church over there. See, here's the thing. If you have no desire to see the kingdom of God grow, something is wrong. And the only way that the kingdom can grow and expand is if you support the kingdom, saints. That's God's plan. Watch this. Watch the text. Watch it, watch, I mean, watch this. It says, during this time, church leaders offered prizes for the best essay written on stewardship and the winning essay would, wide, would be wide, were widely published. Preachers spoke on the subject regularly. All this preceded the revival in what? 1858 and was part of the cause for the Great Awakening. You know what, was, what, what caused the Great Awakening? People stopped being selfish. And they started to support the work of God. Listen, people tell me, I don't have any money, Pastor. But all week long, you're eating lunch, you're eating out, you're buying stuff. If your kid needs something, you'll get the money to get it. But we will never, what we have to do is we have to shift our focus, saints, to see that God's kingdom is in need also. We as a church, and at whatever church you belong to, Amen. You should support that church. Missions, seeing the building fund go forward, seeing the church go forward, because your spirit, your life is not the same since you met, since you joined the church. But a lot of people, what happens to them is that they come with nothing, they begin to prosper, and then 
guess what happens? They begin to covet. So that's the word that we'll deal with on Tuesday night. We'll deal with the word covetedness on Tuesday night. Now, let's read on. It says there is, I got a few minutes, a relationship between what? Now, notice this. There's a relationship between stewardship and what? It wasn't until the people started to relinquish their, their, their success, their giving to the church to support the missions and start new churches that the revival broke out. I wish I had somebody. You see, saints, I figured it out. The reason we haven't seen revival lately at the vision, hallelujah, is because we've been thinking more about ourselves than we have of God's kingdom. I wish I had somebody. In other words, we have to finance the kingdom of God so that we can move it forward. We have a plan to build, to take back the ground from the enemy, to take back tangible things in the back, straight to the back. Yes, sir. Take back things from the enemy so that we can take, wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice to take back some ground? And let me say this to you. For those of you who say, well, I don't have much. But let me say something. Your $1 bill may be the $1 bill that takes us over to a million dollars. I wish I had somebody. And so I want you to look at stewardship differently. I want you to look at God's financial plan differently so that you can understand that God just doesn't want your money. That God blesses you, but revival would not. Listen, I thought it was just praying. Oh, let's just get together and pray. We'll see revival. No, but God is saying to me, Pastor, it's, it's the people's hearts. When their hearts have changed, then you will see revival. When they're not only thinking of themselves. Do I have anybody? And when we're not only thinking about ourselves, we will see revival. What is revival? A spiritual awakening, but it's also God's manifest presence in a place. Amen? Now watch this. Watch this. There's a relationship between stewardship and revival in the Old Testament. Many great revivals in the Old Testament occurred during the remodeling, watch this, and the building of the what? These building programs call for sacrificial what? You know how we're going to build a church? Not the way we're doing it now. The way we're going to build a church, or if not, we'll be here in this temporary place forever. We have to be sacrificial. Go to 2 Kings for me, 22. And, 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 and I got four minutes, five minutes before we close. One of the examples of revival and, uh, and giving going together with Judah during the reign of Josiah. 2 Kings 22 Any questions? 
It's, it's eye-opening, isn't it? Is it eye-opening? I'm going to leave a minute so we can ask questions, okay? Let's just read, and I'll stop here. Tuesday night, I'll pick up the rest. Josiah was eight years old when he became, how can you, eight years old, right? <laughs> eight years old, he's king. But you know what? You know what, Josiah, he held the throne as king, but he had good advisors. That's how an eight-year-old will run it. He wasn't really running it, but he had advisors, all right? Josiah uh, was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned for 31 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jedahah and the daughter of Adoniah Bolazak. And he did, here's what it says, he did right in the what? And walked in all of the way of his father David, nor did he turn aside to the right or to the what? Now, let me explain what's happening here. Josiah now becomes king over Israel. And, and let me say this to you. All the kings before him in chapter 22. So here's your homework assignment. I want you to read chapter 22 for me. Okay? For Tuesday. I want you to read chapter 22. Because chapter 21. I'm sorry. Tw chapter 21. I'm sorry. 21. I want you to read chapter 21. And chapter 22 now. It shows that chapter 20, 21 shows the king that reigned before was evil. He set up idols. He did all kinds of stuff, right? The state of the church was in a mess. Matter of fact, they had destroyed the church, and they started bringing in idols in the church, in the temple. They set up different high places, altars in God. In other words, they turned God's house into a mockery. And that is what's happening today in the body of Christ. We're bringing in a lot of idols into the body of Christ. And listen, I want to tell you something. Our church is in a state of emergency, saints. People don't want the word anymore. They want the worldly things. And so Josiah set things in order. He was a good king. He did what is right in the sight of God. And as a result of that, revival broke out. So Tuesday night, we'll deal with Josiah's revival. Amen? Manasseh, yeah, Manasseh. Manassas, yes. Yes. And you'll see that there's a changing of hands from king to king. All right? So I want you to read that on Tuesday night. We'll cover this. Amen? All right. Any questions so far? Let's talk a little bit. Amen. Any questions? All right. What did you learn? We got one minute. Managers. For one else. So it belongs to God. Sarah? The layman's prayer, but preceded, what preceded that was what? The repentance of what? Covetedness. All right, sister. 
Yes, we don't own it. And see, this is why when we were doing those Bible studies, that home, the home was not your own. It's not yours. So to allow people to come into your house, some people didn't want to come, but for you to open up your home to say, hey, can, the question is, can God have everything that you have? That's a qu good question. And if he, could, if he can, then your pastor would be paid every week. Our church would not still be in a temporary building. It's just a fact. That's how he finances the church. Amen. That's right. That's right. That's right. Amen. 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 You just got here. Even son, even 905. This Amen. <laughs> Amen. Prosperity has a way of blinding us. Amen. All right. Well, let's give God a hand clap praise. Amen. Right. Success will blind you spiritually. And here's the thing. Listen, let me say this to you. If you know there's a need, you know, there's, there's make no sense. We keep coming every week saying, oh, well, we couldn't pay the pastor this week, or we couldn't pay this bill, couldn't do that. Do something about it. question is, and some of you have. You follow what I'm saying? Some of you have given sacrificially. Some of you, when you see a need, you give to it. You follow what I'm saying? Here's the thing. Money is an issue that we need to talk about in church, but, we won't, we, but whenever the topic come up, by, Jesus said this, where your treasure is, there also is your heart. And if their heart isn't right about supporting the kingdom of God, if you keep coming every week and you're getting and you're not seeing a need to support the kingdom, something is wrong with you. And as a matter of fact, it may be why revival hasn't started yet. Amen? We all affect the body of Christ. And I'll show you, read chapter 21. I'll show you on Tuesday, chapter, 20, chapter 22. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this first class, this first series in this series of your plan, your financial plan for uh, globalization, evangelism and globalization, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that the church doesn't just want people's money. In all actuality, it doesn't belong to us. So we thank you for what you taught us today. Bless us. Thank you for allowing us to learn more. Lord, we want to learn even more about you. Teach us from your word. Let this class, this seminary class, change our lives this semester. We love you. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.